So it's not just single technology trends, it's unforeseen combinations of those trends, which allows them to almost have an exponential multiplier effect. It's a matter of survival now. Diversity is no longer, you know, simply the right thing. It's the only thing. It creates what I call a little uh, pre-planned serendipity. I don't know what will happen when the mad scientists get together. I just know something cool will happen when the mad scientists get together. Welcome to The Convergence, the Army's Mad Scientist podcast. I'm Matt Sanisbert of the Mad Scientist team, and I'll be joined in just a moment by Luke Shabro, Deputy Director of Mad Scientist. Mad Scientist is a U.S. Army initiative that continually explores the future of warfare, challenges assumptions, and collaborates with academia, industry, and government. You can connect with us through Twitter, at ArmyMadSci, or subscribe to the blog, The Mad Scientist Laboratory, at madsciblog.tradoc.army.mil. On today's episode, we'll be talking with the Undersecretary of the Navy, the Honorable Mr. James Hondo Gertz, and Dr. Zachary Davis, Senior Fellow at the Center for Global Security Research at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. They'll be discussing strategic latency, how to think radically about the future, capitalize on talent, and unleash technological convergences to outcompete our adversaries and, when necessary, defeat them decisively in conflict. As always, the views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Department of Defense, Department of the Army, Army Futures Command, or Training and Doctrine Command. Let's get started. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Pleasure. Great to be here with you. So, Dr. Davis, you led the effort to publish Strategic Latency Unleashed, the role of technology in a revisionist global order and the implications for special operations forces. Can you tell us how this effort came about? What were the challenges along the way? And how did you get the undersecretary involved in writing the forward? Well, the, the project goes back at least 10 years. Um, strategic latency, as we call it, is something very similar. I know uh, Mad Science has a version of it. And uh, a lot of other people are working along the same lines. And it goes by a sort of generic title of Emerging and Disruptive Technologies. Uh, you can call it um, SNTI, that is Science and Technology Intelligence. And uh, a, a lot of people are trying to do something similar, that is to you know, project into the future and which technologies are likely to really shape uh, the national security landscape. What is a little bit different about our version of it is that we called it strategic, right? One of the most overused terms that we are familiar with these days. So what is strategic? And by that, we mean we're trying to distinguish those technologies which are really going to have world-shaping effects. That is, change the balance of power, not the normal progression of technology that we all have to keep track of and is important, but those things that really stand out, uh, you know, the poster child, of course, being nuclear weapons and missiles. But there are a number of other candidates these days for the technologies that will have strategic effects. And then latency refers to the fact that, you know, they haven't been fully realized yet. So we're trying to look forward to see which of these candidates and, you know, everyone has their list of candidates uh, are, are likely to really have a strategic effect. And, you know, not everyone makes it right. So there are a lot of candidates and then a few turn out to sometimes surprise you. Sometimes they lay dormant for a long time. And then quite often what happens, and, and it's in the title of your podcast, is that the effects are unknown until there's a convergence, right? So any particular technology doesn't necessarily have, you know, by itself, all of these 
strategic effects. It's mostly um, when when technologies converge with one another, and that makes it a lot harder uh, to predict. Uh, we started off like everyone with the lists of technologies. You know, well, what's on the list? And everyone makes their own list, and the lists all look the same, right? They all have, you know, bio and and AI and you know, additive manufacturing and variations on cyber and genetic engineering. And so, you know, everyone's list uh, looks looks pretty similar with a couple of uh, efforts aimed at those technologies. Uh, we took a bit of a different approach and were asked by the intelligence community to look specifically, you know, what which of these technologies are likely to change the intelligence field and particularly strategic warning, right? The, the analysis of threats uh, and then, uh, you know, how did we, we get Hondo involved? And it was just the natural convergence of things that he, in his former role as the chief acquisitions officer for SOCOM, understood this problem and the question that had been posed to us better than anyone else. Um, you know, he was the father of, of this for SOCOM, and we were just incredibly fortunate that he agreed to, you know, to join our merry band and, and put it in context the way he did. So we were just, you know, very lucky to have his help. I, I think that's really important, Dr. Davis, as we think about horizon scanning um, and, and convergence, making that a more complex situation. How do we, how do we think about that as we go forward um, when battery power affects robotics and robotics affects autonomy and, and so on and those knock-on effects? Um, but, but kind of pivoting over to the secretary, in the foreword, sir, you wrote uh, the ability of U.S. special operations forces to adapt and thrive in the age of technology is a harbinger of the larger challenges we face in the military, the government and society. So we as a nation right now face these enormous challenges um, from great power competitors like China and Russia, uh, but we're also competing in terms of climate change and trying to win these number of technology races. Um, how can we best be adaptive and thrive in the face of those challenges? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Luke. And, uh, and maybe before I answer that, I do want to acknowledge, uh, you know, writing a forward is a lot easier than doing 10 years worth of work. And so it's uh, while I had a, uh, a, a contribution compared to what uh, the heavy lifting and uh, the incredible output that came out of it, it's really Zach and the team, all the team that got together that produces what I say is a really interesting product. And you guys use the word convergence. I might use another word of combinations. Uh, it's similar thing, but again, what I think is unique, both you to look at this to the way special operations has gone after problem solving into the way, to your point, I think we need to, as a nation, think about this, is interesting combinations of things. It's not just single technology trends. It's unforeseen combinations of those trends, which allows them to almost have a, you know, an exponential multiplier effect. And what's I think unique in this report is a lot of perspectives from operators, not just technologists. And so a technology is interesting. If you put it in the hands of somebody who can think about it creatively or combinations of people who can think of combinations of technologies creatively, you get this, you know, exponential and exponential on top of exponential effect. 
And, and what worries me and what also I think uh, keeps me optimistic is what tends to happen is it matures slower than you expect until it hits a point and then it scales much faster than you expect. Uh, and that's what gives it that disruptive feel. It's, you know, it's been around, we've heard it, and then suddenly it's transforming at a speed we wouldn't expect. So when I think about how do we solve these really complex problems, one, we got to think of them as complex problems, which means we've got to put a lot of solutions in the water and try things out. We can't, we'll never create the one perfect solution. So the way to tackle a complex problem, I think, is, is really about maybe three things. It's really leveraging diversity to its full extent. And, and one thing that democracy will always have an advantage of is diversity. Uh, diversity even within our own population, diversity because we can attract allies and partners, diversity because we've got small businesses, big businesses, mad scientists, crazy guys at SOCOM, national labs. Uh, and if you can start focusing on the problem and not the people or the individual with a kind of little sense of humility, uh, I think you'll get there. The second piece is creating strategic relationships before you need them. And so, you know, how do we connect together? It wasn't that we worked together for 10 years. We've had strategic relationships in other dimensions that allowed connections to occur. Uh, and, that, and it wasn't because, you know, I had this rank or Zach had that doctor in front of his name or something. It's because we both value each other and the perspective and the relationship we have. So if as individuals we can think of uh, not our unique ideas, but uh, creating relationships, respecting diversity, then I think the process of mad scientists or the process of taking a strategic look at the unexpected uh, starts to illuminate uh, really interesting solutions. And so, uh, again, when I look, I've read a thousand books telling me the future of what might happen. I've read few pieces which connect it with both the technology and the people who will employ or think about that technology. And that's where I think this is a, a rather unique product. And, uh, and certainly uh, the, the team that put it together uh, should be recognized as such. Sir, thanks so much for that answer. I think that's a, a really important point that you make. And, and you know, as I'm thinking about the example uh, that you laid out there, how you can't you can't um, design technology sort of in that stovepipe. You need the technologists. You need the operators. The two of them have to come together. You know, that's really what we're trying to do here at Mad Scientist is find those different perspectives. You can't answer a question in one way. So um, I, I really like that insight there. Uh, and speaking of our Mad Scientist contributors. This book was filled to the brim with incredible insights from a wide array of authors, many of whom are proclaimed mad scientists. And I'll just name off a few. Uh, Jen Snow, Elsa Kania, David Bray, Pete Singer, Dr. Rita Konaev, Dr. Uh, Jim Giordano. So, Dr. Davis, I want to ask you, out of all those amazing authors and the insights that they provided, what were some of the takeaways that apply not only to the special operations community, but across the entire force? It, it is a, kind of a merry band of uh, in some ways outcasts, right? And we've, we've been finding one another. And I'd have to say, you know, mad science is, is a part of that community that we're building on behalf of, of this problem when we're really trying to develop a new field. And that is a field of technology combinations and, and their relevance to national security writ large. And in this case, and in this book, specifically focused on, on, on special operations forces. 
and, and the future battlefield. And that meant that you couldn't do a project like this, as, as Hondo said, without operator perspectives. And what we tried to do in this case was to pair these experts, uh, technologists and people from think tanks and professors and people who think about technology and, and technology futures, and pair them specifically with, with operators and bring that combined perspective to bear on, on the questions you know, that, that SOCOM put before us. And you know, we were really lucky. Um, and I have to say, in this case, I got to give a shout out to the Naval Postgraduate School where I, I teach uh, courses. There's a department there that is dedicated you know, to, to SOCOM and to SOCOM problems, and they're all SOCOM officers, mid-career officers. So we had this deep well of people who are working on these uh, problems already and, uh, and doing thesis projects. So Jen Snow was my thesis student, and she was working you know, specifically on the problems of technology development and, and technology futures. So a colleague of mine, Leo Blanken, teamed up with one of his students, uh, Philip Swintek, who's a, a Green Beret, and, and, and wrote about using special operations forces as a rapid prototyping laboratory. And that gets to this point that Honda was making as well, is we have to have the freedom to experiment, right? We have to be able to try things. And we have to be able to, you know, <laughs> come up with some unexpected results, maybe not failure, but, you know, not what people thought. And having the freedom to experiment, the freedom to try things, and the teams of operators and, and, and a diverse group of, of experts from all over you know, different fields. And in, in this case, we reached out very far and wide, um, including you know, to the creative arts people. Um, we have a former Disney vice president who talks about how to use you know, technology in experiential formats, you know, and that maybe the SOCOM could apply that, you know, to its training. And, you know, so this diversity question turns out to be really central. We need these different perspectives and the world is, is changing so rapidly and in so many ways. Uh, if you look at Jen Snow's article in this book, it's about identity and it's about uh, non-national forms of identity. That is these uh, virtual nation states that are forming. And then the other thing that's really key there is the private sector, right? These technologies are not coming out of governments. I mean, it's not just Silicon Valley anymore either. So we have to reach out very broadly and have an open mind and make a concerted effort. And I couldn't agree more with what Undersecretary Gertz was saying about diversity. It's a matter of survival now. Diversity is no longer, you know, simply the right thing. It's the only thing. We must, in order to be competitive in this world, the way it's changing and where these technologies are coming from, if you're not reaching out to the whole of, of our society, then you're, you're going to fail. Yeah, I think uh, maybe to foot stomp that, I think the challenge for us is not to try and over control it, right? And it's really, how do you create these, what I'll call flexible platforms? Mad scientists, awesome flexible platform, right? It attracts folks, they bring different things to the table. Uh, it creates what I call a little uh, pre-planned serendipity. I don't know what will happen when the mad scientists get together. I just know something cool will happen when the mad scientists get together. 
and it'll probably be unexpected and it'll probably be 10 times better than anything I could have tried to plan. And so this idea of preforming these relationships based on, you know, respect, uh, based on, you know, creating relationships kind of before you need them and then really bringing, and when I talk diversity here, it's not just, you know, gender or race or age, not kind of who you are. It's how do you think? What are your networks? What are your skills? And if you can create a safe platform, for lack of a better term, whether it's this book, which is a great platform where this all came together, if it's Mad Scientist, if it's the Softworks, Naval X, Afworks, whatever those platforms where it's safe for people to get together in a way they wouldn't normally get together and bring whatever they have to the table, not just what's on their business card, then I think that's how you really start getting after these complex problems. Because the problems are so complex, you can't plan a linear solution to them uh, because they're nonlinear problems. And so trying to solve a, a nonlinear problem with a linear solution generally does not work very well. You expend a lot of resources and you generally get the answer wrong and you're, you're late to the party. And so that's why I think these kind of network of networks, teams of teams, disruptors times disruptors, you know, it's all, uh, it's a multiplier effect, not just a, uh, not just an, an, an addition of, you know, one or two people. No, thank you for that answer from, from both of you, honestly. Um, obviously, you're both good at looking at the future because I was going to ask next about uh, what we can do for people and not just materiel. But I think I think that's quite well answered. Um, I did want to ask, you know, we're, we're moving forward in reality. Um, we're, we're having essentially a lot of payment right now for COVID-19 um, and the recovery that, that's taking place in the country. Um, in all likelihood, we're not going to have a blank check for a defense budget. How can we obtain overmatch and continue to develop the most capable force in the world in this budget-constrained environment? And how do we get agile and unleash that strategic latency with the same or maybe even less resources than we have right now? Yeah, maybe I'll take a shot and then I'll turn it back to, to Zach. I think, uh, again, I think what we've got to have is an abundance mindset. And so we have an abundance of disruptive thinkers in the national security space. And even outside the national security space, they just don't know they can play in it. We've got to have an abundance mindset of how to bring them to bear. And not just in a transactional, I have a requirement, I hand out a contract, you answer the contract, I pay you. Uh, Because uh, again, that's a very linear solution to nonlinear problems. And so I think one way we get at it I mean, there are some problems that you need to attack with, you know, a well thought out and executed plan. You know, if you're going to go build a ship or, or something like that, there's a lot of other problems that don't uh, respond well to that. So, so I think where we've got to do some work is differentiating which is which and applying these network of networks and network thinking and network connections to those really hairy complex network problems and then get brutally efficient on executing those more linear problems so we're not squandering resources there. If we don't differentiate the work, we'll be bad at both of them. And, and that's, you know, that's not gonna help. So the thing we've gotta do is use this abundance of talent that we haven't activated or leveraged in all cases. Because if we're not careful, we'll create the, this paradox that we can either be ready tonight 
or be ready in the future, but we can't be both. And if that's what we bring the American people, we failed. So I think we've got to be brutally efficient and leverage all the talents we can to not only be ready and efficient tonight, but also then start creating the future we want, not just reacting to it. And, uh, and that's where I think, again, these just kinds of bringing new combinations of people together. You know, I tell everybody the artificial Christmas tree uh, was born out of a toilet bowl brush. And, you know, it was that combination of somebody needing an artificial Christmas tree. And so the toilet bowl brush company was the first one to manufacture it. Right. And they knew how to. So, so again, not that we need a lot of toilet bowl brush companies around, but, you know, there is talent and there is expertise and there are ideas out there. And what keeps me up at night is those not getting to the place where they can be actioned or getting to the place where they can be actioned. And then we fail to action on them. And that's why I think, again, when we start creating these combinations with Naval Postgraduate School and, and mad scientists and all these other one side, and then create an efficient way to action the ideas once they uh, are ready, then, then I think we got a shot at it. Yeah. Uh, if there's one key takeaway, you know, from the 600 pages on technology in the future, it's that it's not about technology. It is about the people. And that's where we have our abundance and that's where we have our edge. And this is a hard thing for people to, you know, to comprehend, especially the technologists. That's why we pair the operators with the technologists because the scientists, you know, they love their science and they, they are focused on technology. But technology really is nothing but a tool, right? It's a hammer. It's a saw. And the bigger challenge, but the one that is in some ways more tractable is, is on the human side. You know, it's about people and purpose. You know, where we have to put the tools into the hands of, of, of humans that have an intention, something we want to achieve, right? So then it leads into the world of, of, of strategy, right? What is our purpose? And in our field, you know, it went, and this book is, is focused on special operations forces. So that narrows it down. You know, that tells you a lot about what we're trying to achieve. And one of the, I don't know, reinforcing discoveries uh, it was that the soft truths, you know, the, the creed that this, <laughs> the SOCOM lives by, the, the soft truths got it right. It's about people and it's about communication and it's about having a common purpose. And it's about listening and having teams of people who share a common purpose and have trust in one another. And I know that's very squishy and it's not what the technologists really naturally uh, go to, but that that really is where it all comes down. It's humans, not hardware. As technologists in a laboratory, that's not the natural conclusion. <laughs> you know, they think technology is driving the world. Um, but it's not. No, I think I think that's a great answer. And uh, dedicated listeners to this show will know that there's there's two things you hit on there that we harp on in probably ninety percent of our episodes, and that's it's people, which you hit, and communication. I mean, those are the two things we always talk about. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you for those answers. We're going to transition real quick to what we call our rapid fire questions. Here, we'll throw three questions out to you. We'll get some quick answers. You guys are playing for some great prizes, so hang on. The first question here is, what technology or trend keeps you up at night? Who gets the answer first? Sir, I think we'll go with you first. What technology keeps me up at night? 
Um, that's a good question. I would say um, being able to understand what's below the water. Very good. Yep. Uh, and, and Dr. Davis? Yeah, there's no technology. It is the erosion of norms and the uh, lack of restraint in the use of certain technologies and and the convergence of, of certain technologies, which you know creates a, a destructive power that should and has been historically restrained. And I think that we, we may be entering an era when the restraints are falling away because of the the way the you know the world order is reformulating. So I think it's more like the the, the lack of restraints in the uses and applications of technology that caused me the greatest concern. Here's what happens when you ask a doctor to answer a lightning round question. <laughs> uh, so the, the second question, what what's something about you that most people might not know? Uh, t- uh, two things. Uh, I've completed a couple Ironmans and I could uh, read music well before I could read a book. Excellent. And Dr. Davis, how about you? I'll make this one short. Uh, I'm a pretty good surfer. Surfed all over the world and uh, continue to to chase good waves. Charlie, don't surf. <laughs> I didn't know that about you, but since we can see you on Zoom, I, I would have guessed that. So that's <laughs> that's good. All right. And finally, uh, what's your favorite movie? Blues Brothers. Excellent. Excellent choice. Dr. Strangelove. Oh, wonderful. This is this is this has been amazing. I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, gentlemen, but honestly, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. I know everybody's time is short, so we appreciate you guys coming in and talking to us for a little bit and talking about the strategic latency document. So once again, thanks for being here. Thank you. Keep rocking it, guys. Thanks for listening to The Convergence. I'd like to thank our guests, the Honorable Mr. James Hondo Gertz and Dr. Zachary Davis. You can connect with Mad Scientist through Twitter, at ArmyMadSci, and don't forget to subscribe to our blog, The Mad Scientist Laboratory, at madsciblog.tradoc.army.mil.com.